ser benfiquista é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão é um culto. A coragem, que é a liberdade, que é crer, que é vontade, que é o caráter das pessoas. A alma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão que eu tenho explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser o Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser o Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Doll Benfica podcast, episode number 333. 333. And uh, next to me, Mr. 10CO10. What's going on, Cristiano Oliveira? These are the senhores and the senhores. Everybody else. Yeah, everybody else. Uh, on the other side of the border, the good border, Dave D. Oliveira, no relation. What's happening, Mr. Dave? Nothing much. Good to be back on tonight, boys. Very good, very good. Also, we have a special guest, uh, and because we're uh, we're on the eve, if you could say that, of uh, a big Clásico, the biggest Clásico in Portugal, Benfica plays Porto this weekend, and we'll get into that. We have a guest here that's going to help us uh, uh, in discussing not only the Clásico, but also the moment. You uh, know him from uh, PortugueseSoccer.com. His name is... John Neves. João, pa. John, welcome. To call me João in Portugal, John in the North America. So, yeah, either one works fine. Great. So, uh, um, many of you guys uh, follow PortugueseSoccer.com. Very active on the uh, Twitter sphere, if we could say that. He is somebody that keeps everybody, um, everybody informed, especially the ones that don't speak uh, Portuguese. What you do is you take uh, a lot of the articles that you pick up on the Portuguese media and you basically translate it to English and you present it. You also do something that I think it's it's a great thing and it's probably my biggest use of Portuguese soccer, which is the capas, which is every night uh, around uh, 10 o'clock or so, you uh, will publish the each one of the record, the jogo and the bola capas, and it's always good to uh, to look at that. But um, tell us about the, about the project, Portuguese dot, uh, PortugueseSoccer.com. How long has that been, been up? Um, I, I know that Peace Soccer was also one of the, the parents, I guess, if you could call her the original. Tell us a little bit about that project, how that came about, how the idea, if you, what you thought about as far as the market for it was. Uh, just talk through uh, what uh, what your plan has been. Well, yeah, it's available, PortugueseSoccer.com, and you'd be surprised how many people don't know how to spell Portuguese. So it's PeaceSoccer.com to help those out that don't say Portuguese. It was a friend of mine that uh, suggested that to me. But uh, it started right around the time that I discovered the Internet back in 1997, believe it or not. You discovered the Internet in 97, well, dude? I, when I discovered the Internet. <laughs> and uh, a friend of mine was telling me I had known about it. There was a lot of commercials back then, Prodigy, AOL, CompuServe, and... Uh, one day I was on uh, Yahoo and uh, they had this, um, it was called GeoCities and it said you can create a free website. And um, I just remember thinking, you know, let me go see what's on the internet about Portugal. And at the time, I remember there was only three websites. There was one about a small Portuguese futsal team. There was one about the Celeso, which was done by a guy named Jason. It was very well done back then. And then there was another one, I think it was Guimarães had a, 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 one of the first websites. And I just started doing it and it grew and the viewership grew and people started emailing. And I basically discovered that there was an audience out there of uh, immigrant kids like myself who basically um, didn't grow up in Portugal. And I did not grow up in a Portuguese community. 
you know, I did not grow up in the Ironbound. I didn't grow up in Fall River. I didn't grow up in Toronto, among other Portuguese that, you know, were very interested in that. So I started to do it and it just kind of took off. And uh, it was a website, PortugueseSoccer.com, PeaceSoccer.com, all the same thing. And then unfortunately, I had some health issues. I stopped it for about a year or two. And then I came back, I started the website, but then I started doing the social media and with the Twitter, with the Facebook. And I also do a thing with uh, the Instagram, Portuguese underscore soccer underscore noticias that I do with somebody else. So from that, uh, that's that's the way it started. And it's always been about, um, like you said, when you were you know asking, um, there's a lot of people out there that don't know the Portuguese language. And there's a lot of people that are looking for one place to go to to get all their information. And over the years, I've had uh, newspaper guys, you know, compliment me on what I've done. I've been, you know, I credit my sources. It's all there for you to see. It's about as transparent of a website and Twitter account as you're going to have. And it's just something that's a very big passion of mine. And much like you've been doing, I think, what is it, nine years now, the Benfica podcast? Yeah. You know, it's evolved and it's just something I enjoy doing. Right. And it's obviously it's it's well received and and the account I I haven't checked but uh, I think you have quite quite a bit of uh, followers and I think that the the social media platform especially Twitter I think it's it's perfect for your content right because it's short blasts there's no in depth articles that are contained. Uh, on your website it's mostly news articles news blasts and i think that the social media really uh caters to that so uh much like ourselves you have found a niche and uh i'm i'm glad uh, i'm i'm proud to say that it's a it's a, a twitter account that i that i follow closely and you try to remain as biased uh, uh, biased unbiased, unbiased. <laughs> here we go as unbiased as uh, as possible uh have people accused you of oh, being in one club or another Oh, my God. I mean, how could you? It's part of our culture to ask the question of whether or not you're Benfica, Porto, or Sporting. So um, you get outright asked that question? Not as much, but a long time ago I used to. Not as much as you would think. Do people DM you and, and curse you out in sure. DMs? Not really. They well, The way it is with me is I did not grow up in a Portuguese neighborhood. So I did not grow up with the Casas. I didn't grow up with the Cafés, arguing with Cristiano, Zé, Armando about the week's games. I didn't grow up in that culture. So it's not my natural instinct. You know, I'm more North American. You mm -hmm. know, do we, we have our controversies here, but I don't think we have, you know, you don't see Fox after a football game arguing about the referee. You know, it's usually talking about the game, the running backs, whatever it may be. So that's my culture, you know, and I do get asked people, you know, Benfica, when the whole thing exploded with the emails, it was all over the news. You couldn't get around it. You reported, people get upset at you. Uh, Porto, people get upset at you. You know, Benfica wins number 37. Guess who that day isn't happy with you? Porto fans. You report that there's the Alcachet attacks. I'll never forget when Record was the first one to report it. And I remember saying, Record, again, citing the source, there's people running around trashing Alcachet. They're going into locker rooms. All these sporting fans getting upset. Lo and behold, it did happen. So, yeah, it's 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 a part of our culture. No one believes it. Um, anybody who knows me on a private level, day to day, they know I'm an Arsenal fan. And, you know, and as far as having a team in Portugal, um, the team that I've always followed from afar because I'm not there is a small team from Arxtaval Vish called Atletico de Arcos. Um, I do sometimes like to see Jo Vicente a little bit better because that's the closest team to Arxtaval Vish. Braga, you can also say, is pretty close. But, yes, I get asked it probably more than anything I ever done. I've come to accept it as a part of our culture and to sit here and to 
argue it just doesn't make any sense yeah let me let me ask you this are you ever at home and you're seeing news come out and you're kind of cringing because you have to report it and you know what kind of response you're going to get from one fan base or another i've been doing this a very long time as well as a few other people that have helped me in the past and it's come it you know it's gonna come so it's you know why i'm sorry it's in the news it's again the source is right there every tweet starts with the source unless i'm doing my own statistics goal scores so if somebody's not happy with it that's fine but it's coming if i don't tell you you're eventually going to hear about it in another form you know it's like not a secret so it doesn't really matter let me ask you this though uh obviously it's it's well known uh, well, I don't know how well it's known, but the people that are from inside know that the, the three newspapers, Abola, uh, Record, and Ujogu, uh, some people will say that each one of them is a little bit more biased to one or another. You that basically look at all of the news and how it's reported, have you ever been able to tell that one uh, one outlet whether it's Jogo Record or Abola, is a little bit more biased towards one club or another? Well, a lot of people know that Porto is more with Ojogo, but Ojogo is more of a northern-based newspaper, mm -hmm. so that just makes a lot of sense. Record is known, as you know, more of sporting, and Abola is more with Benfica. So. But have you noticed this yourself while you're reading the articles and, and, and the little kapush? Have you noticed that there's a little bit of a, a bias towards a particular club? Yeah, in the kapush. I think Here, here's here. a question out of all out of all your stories that you've reported over these let's just say 20 years with the exception of you got sick when the scooters from pinta costa came out just, <laughs> you, know, you know you got sick at that time how inconvenient now all jokes aside what story have you reported that you have gotten the most hate from the listeners or the viewers that's a great question no it is a very good question um i think and i don't say it's hate it's just a lot of people complaining that it's being reported was probably the whole thing with these emails that's been going on well but because that's you know? probably the and freshest the way, thing of, in your memory right but remember a lot of that stuff was reported by obola which we kind well, it was of, uh, it was in all reported fairness by everybody was reported by, by everybody. right but it's reported but bola did their fair share of stuff because you have to remember something about the portuguese newspapers their business too their job is to get viewership. Their job is to get people to buy the digital version. And in Portugal, it's their job to get people to go up to the newspapers and spend the 110, whatever it is, to buy it. So that's their job. Hey, yeah, and, and you put Benfica on a cover because it sells. Well, I don't do the covers. No, not you. I'm saying you. I'm saying they. You said their job is to get people to buy it. Right. Buy it. And I'm saying, and they put Benfica on a cover because Benfica sells. Benfica does sell. I think, I think it's kind of a known fact in the business world with sponsorship that people um, – they know that Benfica kind of has one of the biggest fan bases. Uh, Porto, like I said, is very heavy toward the north. Sporting has a good fan base, but um, yeah, I mean, Benfica does do well. But then again, when Porto wins the championship, I think they still sell newspapers. I was told last year by the editors of a major, major, major newspaper in Portugal. Maybe one of those three you're talking about. I don't want to say it out loud, but major newspaper. And, and I was told that outside of Porto, Porto doesn't really move many newspapers. That's why there's two different covers of newspapers. There's a cover that goes for the, the rest of the nation. There's a cover that goes to Porto specifically. Um, and there's a reason for that. And they say that Sporting, which to my surprise, I was like, come on, Sporting. Like, no, no, you'd be surprised. Sporting moves a lot more newspapers than Porto. I was surprised. I was so, again, you know, in the, in the big, you know, the big scheme of things, right? Porto is 
globally more well-known than Sporting is, but still in Portugal, it's still Benfica and Sporting that move all the way. And I was, got to be brutally honest, I was surprised. I think they have this thing in Portugal. It's called, uh, we call it Nielsen here in North America yeah. that does the, the TV ratings. ratings. There's something for the newspapers. Um, yeah. They do show a lot of things. You know, there's a reason why Benfica is a premium channel and Sporting is an open air channel on the cables because there's more of a demand for Benfica. So, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, depends on what's going on with the team. If Benfica tomorrow, that's a good slogan to put on a T-shirt. Your channel's on free TV. Mine, you got to pay for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like that'd be. There great. you go. I want to. I'm going to trademark that's, that. Yeah, trademark. That's a good one right there. But uh, but I think that it just depends. If if Sporting's having to run a good form. Uh, sporting, they're going to have Sporting on the cover because people are happy. But you know what? If Benfica now all of a sudden, you know, the Midas touch is gone with Bruno Lage and they lose five in a row, you know, Benfica is going to be on the covers too. I well, think that well, what I'm saying. I just, I just like to tell Benfica, there's lose five in a row after you appeared on our podcast. I'm never coming back. Right? Time. Just let you know, you <laughs> spit the jinx on them. But uh, no Volta. I, I think that in Portugal, like anywhere around the world, you know, this country, North America, they love their Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys get a little bit more attention. But when the Cowboys aren't doing that well, guess what happens? They get a lot of attention. New England Patriots, when things don't go well, and you know there's been a lot of controversies, they get a lot of Let's attention. Let's slow down with the Patriots. Patriots have been the last 20 years. The Cowboys, you're absolutely right. The Raiders right. are another team. The, the Steelers are the other team. Patriots is a terrible example. Three examples, Steelers, Raiders, and Cowboys. Absolutely. Those are the teams that are 70s, 80s. Right. They have the And the Raiders, attention. even though they haven't been so absolutely. good. The Raiders always get that attention. Pretty good. Absolutely. So at the end of the day, I think in Portugal, I, I think it's been said, not coming from me, Befica definitely has a huge fan base. There's no doubt about it. But I think also at certain times of the year, depending on when the teams are doing very well, you know, Sporting will also share their fair share of newspapers. Porto will also share... Um, it's just the way, you know, Porto, you know, obviously they just got eliminated from the Champions League and they had 38,000 this past Saturday night for a game. That's well below their average. And usually they do in the forties. So, you know, if Porto starts, all of a sudden starts not doing so well, they're going to see their business go down a little bit. And so it all depends on how teams are doing, you know, at yeah. the end of the day, whatever is on the newspaper cover, there's a thing in news called cycle, the news cycle. Today, the news cycle is best Dost. Today, the new cyclist Cristiano Ronaldo gave an interview and he talked about a lot of things about how his kid went to see his house in Madeira and he couldn't believe no, the house Madeira, in Lisbon. And, no, no, he took his son. Not no, Lisbon. All right. Well, there's a story about Cristiano. Thank you. Me? But not you. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought you were going to spread rumors. <laughs> but um, today, that's the story. Tomorrow, you're going to wake up depending on the coppers, and there'll be a brand new story. So in Portugal, that's it's no different than the rest of the world. It just depends on what's the big story of the day. Yeah. And tomorrow it could be, you know, it could be a Benfica injury. Benfica could sign a, a, another goalkeeper. That becomes a story. That's just the way it is in the Portuguese press. That's the way PortugueseSoccer.com responds. It's no different than, you know, Carreo de Minha likes to get ahead of a situation, and they're going to report the hell out of it. It's no different. So I asked you a question regarding negativity. Let's flip the coin to the other side, and I'll ask you a positive question. And, and I'm, sorry, I'm going to make a statement, and I, I think you're going to agree with me. Was Is it safe to say that the story that you've reported on the most that has given you the most satisfaction and the, <laughs> the, and most, the most satisfaction joy well, I can tell you what is, that is Euro 2016? Yes, that was special. What, that was very special. The national team, when they're making a good run, and and this our generation, the last 25 years, we've been a part of 
you know, we went to the semifinals of the World Cup. We've uh, aside we from Germany, we've made to the most. We've made it to the most semifinals of any other country right. of, of the major tournaments. That's aside from the, Germany, yeah, because that's the fun part when you see everybody, when you see everybody kind of get behind, and it's not about the blue, the red, or the green. It's about Basile Song and getting behind Fernando Santos, and that's the fun part of it when you report that. And and I think because of Portugal's success and because of how much we appreciate Portugal. I think it's also, there's a lot of other fans that aren't Portuguese that follow the account and obviously, you know, follow Portuguese other accounts, not just mine. So Portugal's become a brand. I mean, ESPN here in America, how many times have Portugal been here on here in ESPN? I have a feeling when Cristiano Ronaldo retires, we won't be seeing Portugal so much, but Portugal's got a good brand there's name. Felix. Well, there's Ron Felix. And well, Bernardo. if he becomes a superstar, then maybe we'll get that run. Yeah. But right now, well, I, can I think tell it you. doesn't matter who becomes a superstar. I think if Portugal keeps playing, this is not a Portuguese national team podcast, and we're going to switch the topic real quick to Benfica. I know every one of you at home right now is can't wait for my thoughts on Benfica. So just hold on a second. Hang tight. We'll, we'll get to that. Chris, I can't but, wait for your thoughts but, on Benfica. But. I think as long as the Portuguese national team keeps doing well, I think they're going to be on TV because it doesn't matter who's on their team. They're going to be a much, you know, one of those must watch TV teams that has to be on TV at all times. So I don't know if this adds anything to the conversation, but uh, I know a lot I of people. Saved a bunch of money by saving a guy. No, a lot of people, uh, what they do is they use the newspapers for the dog wee wee pads. Oh. Maybe that's the reason why they sell a lot of Porto papers in, in Lisbon. I don't know. Anyway. I I just I just I just, I just yeah, wanted you, you could always count on Alfredo to come up with one a week that's like yeah you laugh or you cry I don't know I don't, right now I'm in between I'm undecided but let me also say you know just for you guys um, wanted to take this time to congratulate you guys because was it nine years now yeah yeah I know you guys when you started your first podcast this year I heard it so I just want to congratulate you oh, guys so thank you. you heard the one it really is an accomplishment uh, to well, be I doing it as that. you as long as you've been doing there's obviously we know there's a ton of Benfica podcasts out there. And now there are, yeah, you guys are the you know, Mount Rushmore of yeah. Benfica podcast. So, absolutely, credit to you guys, absolutely. No, look, and, and all credit go to the, the people that have uh, spent the time and effort and uh, put forth their passion to talk about Benfica in terms of podcast. We love them all, and uh, because we know how much work it takes mm -hmm. and how much dedication, how much passion it takes. So, obviously, uh, you know, everybody needs to be congratulated, but but for sure, we were the originals uh, before anyone was thinking about uh Benfica podcast we were already on you hear that chris they were already big before you came out they were the original the i'm the original cristiano this is the podcast for all originals around the world tune in all the originals will be present <laughs> all right let's uh let's get back into uh our editorial line that we usually follow so uh real quick uh, if you guys are avid listeners of the uh, avid listeners of the podcast you already know how it goes we're going to uh, recap the Bolinas game we're going to look ahead to uh to the big game this uh, this weekend against Porto and we got a couple of news items that we could uh discuss also so let's get um right into this uh, Bolinas game I'll give you the lineup Vlacodimos in goal Tavares Dias Ferro in Grimaldo Samaris in Florentino Pizzi Rafa on the wings RDT and Seferovic uh, up front. Uh, so uh, a game at the at the Jamor, and, and I got to be honest, um, I know that, ja that the Jamor isn't always used, and I'm I'm so used, and and I'm from the time where we used to see the Jamor in the final of the Portuguese Cup, and that 
that grass and that field was impeccable. impeccable. Uh, now that the Bolinsers are now playing their home games, I don't know who else is playing there. It can't be that Bolinsers trashing the field that much. I know at one point in last season, that field looked like a, a campo de batatas. In a rainy game, I remember that was muddy. It was absolutely atrocious. I can't believe that professional a professional team in right now with Portuguese coefficient, they're sixth in, in, in Europe, and it's a team. In, in first division playing in such conditions. I think it's atrocious. I think it's a bad job by the club. I think it's a bad job by the league to allow something like that to, to go on week in, week out. And and I think someone and we, needs this to is just in. the summer. Wait until yeah. we start getting That's more rain in Portugal. It's, it's it's terrible. I mean it it was as, as ugly as it could get. Yeah. And I mean, uh, well, I, I shouldn't say as it could get because it got a lot ugglier last year. I think it was, uh, I don't know if it was Berlin Stubo. It was a game. No, that it was, was awful. It was, it was atrocious. It was, uh, they had to take a break from playing there mm -hmm. so the field could, could get back in shape. But yeah. But so, that's what you get. I mean, they look, they kind of uh, made their own bed. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, the, the, uh, Laj did mention the conditions of the field, but look, the conditions are, for both are teams. bad for both teams, even though Benfica likes to play in those good surfaces, quick surfaces. It definitely affects Benfica more, especially when you're on attack and you're dominating. But, uh, you know, I thought that, uh, it was a decent half by, uh, by Benfica. There was some chances that were created, some chances that were wasted. Uh, Vlako Dimus comes up big at the end of the half to, uh, to shut down a, a breakaway. Huge. From if they score that goal before the end of the half, I think we're talking about a totally different uh, second half. In the second half, Benfica came out uh, a lot stronger, and we were able to uh, to get on a scoreboard. Credit to Rafa, man. Rafa, Cristiano, Rafa has been on fire. Look, Rafa is a phenomenal player, but let's get back into the first half. Uh, Benfica, and again, some of you will say I'm always critical, but Benfica has gotten tremendous results here at the start of the, the, the season. Um, and obviously, at the end of the day, what, what, what matters most is the results. But Benfica hasn't particularly played well, and this is another game Benfica didn't play that well. No, they, 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 you know, they missed a, a tremendous amount of opportunities in front of goal. And look, we should expect the finishing not to be what we saw last year. Last year, you had at least for the second half, the first half, you know, Sferovic was on fire, but the second half, you add in Juan Felix, you lose Jonas as well. These are the types of players that they get one chance and they finish it. So you know it's not going to be to the same efficiency as we saw last year because the caliber players is not there. But these opportunities as Ferovic and Raul de Tomas are, 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 you know, shanking this early in the season, it's something to worry about. Um, I said on Twitter, you know, I hope that Sferovic did not revert to last uh, August Sferovic, uh, which is a guy that none of us wanted to see on the field at yeah, the time. Absolutely. And, and so it's a little bit worrisome. I haven't been too ecstatic with 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 the decision by Brun Lodge to play Samaris alongside uh, Florentino. I, I've, I think I've been vocal about it here, Alfred, on a podcast that both of them shouldn't be playing side by side. I think Benfica needs a much more offensive presence alongside one of those guys, whether it be Tarap. I know there's still a tremendous amount of hate for Tarap, but at the end of the day, I think we're all pulling for the same side. And I think anyone um, that's sending out all this hate to Tarap should be ashamed of themselves because he's wearing a Benfica shirt. And I want everyone on a Benfica shirt to succeed. Uh, whether it be Chiquinho, who, who has come into these last two games and has done really well himself, and, and uh, Brun Lage. At the end of the game, even went out and, and praised the guy, called him a crack. He's a crack. Um, guys, um, crack, um, crack. He said it multiple times. And if he has other alternatives, as I mentioned last week, Alfredo, it doesn't necessarily even have to beat the Raptor Shikin. You could pull 
Beasy into the middle, who's played there for, for many times and many years at Benfica and bring another wing. I mean, there's just so many other things that Bruno Lage could do. And I know right now he's getting the results and and the guy, everything he's he's got that Midas touch. Everything he touches turns into gold. But there's there's something there that I, I, I think, you know, if Benfica wasn't getting the results, he'd be getting some criticism because it seems like there's things that he could have done over the last at least three games to change things. I know the results have been fantastic. At the end of the day, it's about the result, the final result. But you can't tell me you're here pleased with the way Benfica has played these first three games. Yeah, look, uh, they've had uh, they've had these these. I think their their best game of the season was definitely the Super Cup. Uh, since then, they've played Second half. the yeah. Um, I think they've they've played okay. Uh, the five re- the five near uh, nil result against Pas Ferreira, I thought there was a misleading scoreline. Uh, this game uh, and look, the teams are going to come at Benfica, and by now they already know how Benfica functions, who's touching the ball, where the transition is happening, and something that Bolnish did quite well was to make sure that they mark the two the two pivots, both Samaris and Florentino, to force Benfica now to play the long ball. Uh, and oftentimes we saw the ball go from defense into the final third without touching the midfield guys. And, and when Benfica's midfield doesn't touch the ball, they suffer uh, in result of having a, some kind of a flow uh, of game. So, look, all credit to Bolinis. I thought that Bolinis set up very well. I thought they had a couple chances that they, they could have put away, but they didn't. Uh, but, yeah, th- this was a team that played us very hard. Silas has been impressive. If they play the way they played against Benfica, against most of the other competition league they'll they'll do well the they're problem gonna, is that gonna, they won't that's the thing is will the intensity drop well that, that motivation also and motivation intensity if they play the same way look they did a tremendous job of keeping the ball away from me they touched the ball they played out the back this wasn't a team that was just put the pepa frente and let's hope for the best and defend with all 11 men they did a good job of moving it around and so uh, if they play like this they're, they're gonna have a successful season for them it just as, as you mentioned the motivation the intensity yeah you know is it gonna is it gonna wind down uh, playing against other competitions Dave, let me let me uh have you talk for a little bit i know that you've been silent since you said hello uh ciao uh but uh here's uh here's what i'll ask you i know that you 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 personally have a seferovic shirt and this is something that's that's been a topic now right uh there's people already growing a little bit impatient as it's natural from Portuguese and it's customary from Portuguese people about the RDT and Seferovic uh, combination. What are your thoughts on that combination? Uh, and especially with uh, Seferovic being so wasteful. But yeah, I, I, think, I, I think we all need to uh, make a relax uh, for a bit. Um, make, a relax. make a relax. Let those two still build some chemistry uh, together. And um, let them figure it out. I know everybody wants to uh, put Shikingo up there with RDT because they've seen what he's done in small uh, sample sizes. But I still think he's going to be most effective in that midfield role with uh, Florentino. Um, if he's got a role on this and on this uh, team, I'd rather have him there uh, with uh, Florentino instead of having him up top with RDT. Uh, I do have that soft spot for uh, Seferovic. I know that he's going to miss uh, three chances, but he's still going to bang in that uh, that fourth chance that he gets. So uh, I'm still holding out hope. I hope uh, Bruno Lage keeps them up there with uh, RDT for a bit and let them build the uh, chemistry. But uh, I think people on Twitter need to make a relax between uh, calling it quits already between RDT and Seferovic. 
I actually think that the combination or, or the partnership of Sferovic and Raul Tomas, I, I don't think they play bad. I think where they've been really bad is at the finishing, but I think that they've created chances. Raul Tomas, you guys kept asking me on the podcast, what do I think about it? And I said, I haven't seen enough. He's growing on me. I think, I think he, he is growing the, on you. Yes. He, he has the ability to, to play as a second striker role. I think he, he does well to come back and get the ball and he plays it, plays it, you know, off to, to the open man. He's created a couple opportunities. I think he's pressing a little bit. He's trying to get his first goal. So you might see him take a shot that you otherwise wouldn't have liked him to see, but this is a guy that's accustomed to being the lone striker. So he's going to take shots every time he gets the ball. But I think that both of them have played well together. I just think that they haven't put the ball in the back of the net, so it looks bad. If Sverovic finishes one of those opportunities, just one of those opportunities Even this RDT. past week, and, and I was going to get to RDT, and oh. RDT finishes one, you're both saying, oh, both of our strikers scored a goal. They look phenomenal. I think they played well. They just haven't played well when it matters most, most which is in the finishing department. Yeah, John, what's your, what's your take from from an outsider's uh perspective? What's your take on on this partnership and how do you see it? Uh with PZ and No, Rafa. with uh, Seferovic and uh we'll RDT. That one next. Well, I I like I said I agree with you. He was wasteful Severovic. Uh to me, you know, ruled the Tomas. Uh, I still think the jury's out on him. Um I still I know he did good in the preseason, but scoring goals against an amateur team from California is not really a big thing. But he, I know you guys spent a lot of money on him. I know Chris wasn't happy with the amount of money you spent. I think that's something to do with Real Madrid past relationship. But um I think right now what's carrying you guys is a PZ Rafa. They've been involved in six of the eight goals. No. And during the course of a season, people are gonna go into a slump. And you're going to need those two guys up top. You know, Severovich came out of the blue last year. No one really expected him. He wasn't, he was kind of in Rui Victoria's doorhouse. He didn't play. And all of a sudden he just explodes and, you know, we saw what happened. So um, I think right now that's not your strongest area. I think right now PT and Rafa are really leading your team. And, and PT, by the way, just like last year, if you remember, he started off hot. And then you got to October, he got called up to the national team. He got a little bit tired and then he kind of like petered off and then other guys had to step in and pick mm. it up. So right now I'm not really sold on them. I think there's uh, you sh there's, there's still a lot more. Um, and to be honest with you, going into this weekend's Classico, I think it's obvious that Conceição, I think they've talked about really putting the defense a little bit stronger this weekend, going into the luge. They're not going to park the bus, of course. But I think if you guys are going to do anything this weekend, it's got to be Seferovic or, you know, Raul de Tomas. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think, look, Benfica has really missed Gabriel in the midfield. I know I went off before talking about Samadis and, 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 and Florentino playing side by side, but you put Gabriel there all of a sudden. It's a total, and I know he's not that offensive player that's going to score goals, but he's got the pass. He's Spreads got the, the vision. He controls the whole midfield, allows PZ and, and, and Rafa, which have been tremendous. That tandem right there has been tremendous to start the season. Uh, allows those guys to, to be a little bit more offensive. Think about it. To be more offensive than what they've been so far, which yeah. is which is just mind-boggling. Um, so, I, I, look, I hope there, there was, there was, there was some, some, a small chance that he would be back for, for this Porto game. I haven't heard anything. Oh, Gabriel? Yes. It was four, three to four weeks. I think they said, yeah, three, three to four, four weeks. weeks. Um. So uh, it looks like he's not going to be called up. It looks like he's not going to be ready, but it would be a tremendous boost to this team. Even to have him off the bench to come in in the game, if Benfica, let's say, is winning 1-0, control the game, kind of not have Benfica sit back and defend so much. So I just think he, I, I just think that people don't realize how, how, how big of a player he is, how important of a player he is for Benfica. As far as Pizzi and Rafa, I mean, Alfredo, how long have I said it here? Yeah. Man, you can't teach speed. 
and Rafa, when he's on his game, he's unstoppable. At least he's in the Portuguese unplayable. league, he's unstoppable. You, there's no, you can't do nothing about it to stop unless you foul him and get yellow cards or whatever. The guy's absolutely lights out. And the crazy part about it is that ever since he arrived at Benfica, he was the same exact player. He created the chance after chance. Differences that now he's finishing him before mm-hmm. he get in front of the goal. Pernaberta, or even the final pass was poor. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> final ball, but really what was, was putting him over the top is the goal. Now, I wanted to, to comment on something that uh, that Laj said, a um, couple of things that Laj said. Uh, he was he was asked about uh, Benfica's defensive efforts um, in these first uh, three games of the season, three games in, in a clean sheet. And Dave, I'll, I'll let you go with some stats in a little bit. But what I wanted to say is that he was asked about that. And the curious thing that he said was that the reason why Benfica hasn't allowed any goals is because of the work that the two forwards have done. So he's obviously happy about what's going on from a defensive standpoint, uh, uh, the amount of space that they cover, the, the spaces that they open, the lanes that they create for, for guys like Raza, Rafa and Pizzi, because obviously if if those guys can't be pulling defenses apart, Rafa doesn't have that room to get in there. So we can't be short-sighted and, and think that, you know, they don't score goals, it's not working. You got to look at the whole package, and it's a bit unfair. I know that uh, forwards are just judged by the goals that they score. Um, to me, the my theory on RDT is that until he scores the first goal for Benfica, he's, he seems very nervous, very anxious, uh, forcing his shots. He just wants to get something on net, and it's not coming for him. But I think that once he gets that first one in and get past that, I think that he, he's going to have a much better time at Benfica. Seferovic, Seferovic is the Seferovic that we know. He's he's wasteful. Uh, last year, he had João Felix to put away the, some of the chances that he or that he created he put away some some chances also but he's he's always been very wasteful he's not that uh that assassin in front of goal didn't dave do a study on his research study uh duke university of how he scored like what the 30 percent of three percent of his shot what was it dave you like the guy he's like 30 it was around 30 percent of his shots uh, and he missed another 30 percent of his opportunity or he was more than 30 percent there it's the most opportunities in all of Portuguese football last year, correct? And he yes. was still the top scorer. Now imagine if With he had no bagged penalty. With no penalty. Imagine if he had bagged them. Um, another thing that I wanted to, to talk about, and uh, a couple more things, and then we'll wrap up the game, was, as Cristiano already mentioned, that Laj mentioned that, uh, that Chiquinho was a crack. Uh, right, so he, he praised them, and he he doesn't really go on a tangent praising particular guys. He always has a little bit of a message, but not as as effusive as he was about Chiquinho. Um, let me ask you this, Cristiano: You think it's only a matter? Is it only a matter of time uh, until uh, until Chiquinho breaks into the starting eleven? Uh, no, no, absolutely not. I don't see it. Where where would you put him right now? I mean, well, before it, asking me the question, think about it for a well, second. Where would you, you expect, play as a, you as expect a, Gabriel to come back? And hopefully, he does he comes back healthy, right? So it's going to be Florentino and Gabriel, on him, right? You're going to have PZ on the outside, right? You're going to have Rafa on the outside. They're going to flip flop whenever the hell they want to. Then you're going to have Seferovic. The only way you're going to do is if you drop Seferovic or Raul Tomas. I don't see Benfica dropping Raul Tomas anytime soon. Seferovic might get dropped, but I just don't see how 
they're going to drop a guy who led the league in goals last year. I, I don't think they're just going to turn their back on him instantly. Is he going to get into a game? Will he probably come in and get subbed in a lot earlier? Most likely, but I just don't see where he's going to become a regular. But it, if you follow Lodge's uh, rationale, uh, he usually likes to go with the hot hand. So whatever guys are are training well, are playing well, he likes to go. And I think that Shikinu is really making a chance for himself to, to start. Against Fedovic, right? He's there to put the ball in the back of the net. And I know he's not doing a good job of that. But at least he's still getting into the chance. He's still getting into position. So that might be a positive. Same thing with Roldo Tomas. I think he's getting a lot more involved than I expected him to do. I think he's becoming more, I don't want to call him a playmaker, but he has that, at least he looks like he could come back, get the ball, turn his back to the goal, and still get other people involved, which I think he's done well in doing that. Now, the one thing that you can't ever knock Sufetovic for doing is he'll always put in the shift. He's going to press as hard as anybody out there on the field, and that's what Bruno Lies likes to do is that high press, and who better do it than, than a 6'4 monster runs around as fast and as big as anybody on the team doing exactly that, putting that amount of pressure on the opposition's defenders, which is going to tire them out along, you know, eventually he's going to tire these guys out. So I just, look, he might switch things for a games to give him a breather, but I don't see where, and I like Shaquem, but I don't see just right now as we, as we speak without injuries, I don't see which one of those guys he's going to take out to put in a guy like Shaquem. Yeah, I just wanted to add that uh, Rui Costa said this recently, and Bruno Lash keeps echoing it, that they want more competitions at every position. So if you don't see these two guys up front, you know, putting in the uh, the goals, you know, you will get yeah, an opportunity. I, I disagree, guys. I'm sorry. I, disagree. I get, I get what I that's... disagree with the two. You didn't, you didn't spend $20 million. It's way too early. I think it's way exactly. too early. You didn't spend 20 to, to bench the guy. You're not going to bench him. You're going to give this guy as much rope as he's going to to hang him. It's like, bro, you're either going to do it or he's going to play. Now, will he get a game off? Yeah, but you're not going to see an extended period of time on the bench. And Svetovic, again, this is a guy who puts in the shift, presses with the high press that we like to see Bruno Lage, uh, uh, you know, uh, come out with. And the guy led the league in goals last year. Now, am I a fan? Would I like someone more, more, more? More technically gifted, would I like someone who's a better finisher than Sferovic with that could do the same things he does? Absolutely. We just don't have that guy. Yeah, I I think that uh even now reading and interpreting the message from Laj saying that uh Shikinu is a crack is probably a motivation message too. Uh that look, you haven't started, you come off the bench, you put in good efforts, the difference has been noted. Uh, you're not ready to start, but just so you know. My opinion of you is that you're a crock, a crock. Uh, so I think that, that there's an internal message there, perhaps uh, towards Shikinu to praise him and to still keep his motivation up. But Formulage says every guy works like they want to start. Nobody is really has gotten into that funk of, well, I know I'm not going to start, so I'm not going to work as hard. But that's the tone that he's kind of set. If you don't work hard, you don't belong in this team. And if you work hard, you're going to get a chance eventually. So uh, you know, it is what it. Let me let me uh, ask this, and then I'll let uh, Dave uh, put up some stats, and and we'll put a, a stone on this. Um, Severovic and uh, RDT, fifteen goals for the season, over or under on Severovic, over. individual, over. And what about RDT? Over. You wanna you wanna take a shot, João? So I would say Seferovic over Raul under. Bruno. 
Tens de tirar os headphones. Seferro over. It's both over. The only way that doesn't happen is if you get injured and they're out for a prolonged period of time. We're going to listen to this. We're going to listen to this at the end of the season. Yeah, but if a guy breaks his leg and he's out for three months. No importa. Dave. Dave, uh, Seferovic, individual, over or under 15 goals for the season. In all competitions, let's just say that. Oh, all competitions, 15. I'm going to go under. And uh, RDT, I'll go over. And uh, we're not forgetting, or I think we're forgetting that we also have $17 million on the bench uh, with uh, Vinicius, too. Para que chamado? Just he might. Sorry, ju yeah, just for those two guys. But I think he's going to play a role later on in this season, too. So that's, uh, I think he, if anyone's going to take time away from uh, Seferovic, I think it uh, might be him more than uh, Shikingo up top there. Right. All right, fair enough. Dave, you want to give us some stats so we could uh, close this topic out? On yeah, the for sure. So, uh, like you had mentioned, uh, Benfica's third straight game with a clean sheet to open up the uh, season. That's only their ninth time in uh, team history where they've opened the uh, first three games with a clean sheet. If they uh, do it on uh, Saturday against uh, Porto, that'll be uh, a club record that they've uh, tied. So. Um, we've been clamoring on this podcast last year for uh, better defense, and they've opened up the season with uh, three straight clean sheets uh, this year. Yeah, and when your best scorer is Pizzi with three goals, that's, uh, that speaks a lot about the whole topic of these two forwards, whether they're working out or whether they've been too wasteful. Uh, so that speaks volumes of it. But anyway, a good win. Same thing happened last season, though, if uh, you recall. A lot of goals from defenders and uh, midfielders to uh, start off the season and then Once the uh, winter months came and uh, there was a switch up top with the, the manager, then the strikers started finishing away and uh, collecting their goals. Yeah, absolutely. So a very good win for Benfica, especially uh, before they play uh, Porto. And after Porto, let's not forget, they uh, got a, a, a tough game at the Pedreira against uh, Braga, who, apparently, who even though they lost against Sporting, that was a good showing. I watched that game. Uh, so... Two difficult games, and it was important to be able to get this uh, game and these three points under our belt, especially because everybody was clamoring how uh, Bolognese was the only team that uh, took points away from Brunelage last season. So uh, we were able to uh, get the three points, albeit some some VAR involved in that. And we usually don't talk about refereeing, so we're going to pass that. Um, come that for John the, we leave that for John and his uh, newspaper clip. <laughs> <laughs> we only talk about the grass yeah exactly all right uh so let's uh let's turn our attention now to the big game uh the classical that happens this uh this weekend uh saturday 7 p.m local uh benfica will host uh porto at stadio de luz dave want to run through some stats yeah for sure uh in 241 official games we've uh, won 88 drawn 60 and lost 93 All-time at uh, home at the Estadio de Luz, 68 wins, 31 draws, and uh, 22 losses. Um, last 10, two wins, four draws, uh, four losses. And, uh, of course, those two wins came last season under Bruno Lage um, once he took over because, uh, actually, Rui Vitoria did pick up his uh, first win against Porto uh, earlier in the season, but uh, Bruno Lage did win in Porto uh, later on that season, last season. Yeah, absolutely.
Uh, I think that uh, I, I saw something on uh, on Zero Zero that said that if Benfica beats Porto uh, three times in a row, and this is not counting the Tasa de Liga game, the fiasco that we had in the Tasa de Liga game last season, just in a regular um, season, right? It would it would be the first time that Benfica has beaten Porto three consecutive times since 1972. That was that's my birth year, so 47 years ago. Uh, Damn, that was uh, 47 years. I'm not 47 yet, but I will be this later on this uh, this year. But uh, 47 years ago was the last time Befica beat Porto three consecutive times uh, in domestic competitions. So uh, you know we'll, we'll be looking uh, for that. But Dave, uh, I... tem juiz pá, 50 anos e ainda está aqui a brincar a fazer podcast. Pá. <laughs> but Dave, uh, did you um, did you finish? Sorry, we didn't mean to interrupt you. Were you, were you done with the stats? I am worried. They've uh, opened up the season with two wins and two losses, and those uh, losses were crucial uh, against Jovi Sint, first game of the season, and uh, Krasnodar, uh, which eliminated them from uh, any Champions League potential this season. Yeah, but that was all intentional. They wanted to play in the Europa League because you know, uh, they missed it. They like Thursday Night Football. Yeah, they like Thursday Night Football. They missed and it. And they host the Super Cup next year, the UEFA Super Cup. So they want to win uh, Europa League. They and... host the Super Cup? Yeah, that's I true. I thought the yeah. Super Cup was always uh, hosted in Monaco. No, no, no but then they man. took it away a few years ago. That was back in 1972, bro. It's time. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, quite a... Quite a, a game here, and Clásicos are always uh, big games. And, and John, I, I guess I'll, I'll go to you first. Considering the spell that Porto has had, and they claimed that with the win against Stubal, they kind of righted that ship. But how do you look at this Porto this season? They lost quite a few important players, a lot of them on a free. Um, and they really haven't brought in good quality replacements obviously there, there's some some financial issues they don't have the cash to 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 spend but how do you how do you see this sport through this early in the season what's what's your what's your idea of them well i would say that some of the players they brought in i mean i think their goalkeeper marchesan is very good i'm not a fan of nakajima um, i don't know think he's going to play this weekend i think he's in japan with this uh, baby uh Zeluiz, who had the hat trick looks like he could be something that can really thrive in this league. But, you know, Porto, I think right now you have to say, when you think about them under their Sergio Conceição area, this might be their weakest spell so far. You know, giving up three goals at home is, especially to a team from Russia that we're competing against for the, for the UEFA coefficient to get back to Champions League is not so good. So if you're a Benfica fan, despite what happened with Setubal, and again, I, I, you know, they're playing at home on a Saturday night or, you know, as late as the game was, you know, I, I think you have to look at more what they did with Krasnodar, not so much with Dubal to really get the, get the feel of what this true team is. So I think if you're Benfica, you have to be happy. You're kind of getting them in here injured. You win, you go up six points. And what you guys went through with Rui Vitoria in December and January, now Porto's going through with that right now because people are starting to think that's Sergio Ponce-Song. But you also have to be careful because if you draw and Porto is sporting win, you wind up tied with them. And despite all the problems that sporting have, and then if Porto somehow comes in to lose and wins, then all of a sudden, Porto, you, you know, going from everybody being concerned about them, all of a sudden now they're, they're back to being a very good team and everyone happy again. And meanwhile, you guys, you know, all of a sudden people in the press, the coppers will be, oh, he lost the Midas touch. So this weekend early in the season, I think it's, it's, it's very important that uh, if, if Benfica wins, 
Hook's point advantage, huge. Luis Felipe Vieira will be all over the newspapers talking about what a great club everyone has been. How many cousins is he going to be opening up after that result? Oh, he'll have uh, plenty of opportunity. People will be begging him to open more casas. But I think at the same time, you know, it's even though it's early, it's only week three. Regardless of what happens this weekend, you know, we still have 31 weeks ahead of us. And as we saw last year with the way Benfica came back from, was it a seven-point deficit? That obviously it's, you know, it's possible to be down that much or come back. And we've seen that before with teams. I think Rui Vitoria first year, you guys were down at the eight points and you came back. But I think it's all about psychology this weekend. You guys win and you have a chance to go up six points after three weeks. Yeah, yeah don't forget the six points and also the fact that we want to start to lose will be up on a head-to-head if that comes together. Of course, we don't know what the result at the Dragon will be, but Benfica will hold that advantage of having beaten Porto at Stade de Luche. And six points, look, I know it's early in the season, but six points is is tr a tremendous advantage, uh, not only from a point standpoint, but also from a mental standpoint. Because as you mentioned, uh, Sergio Conceição has already been criticized uh, by the fans because he didn't make Europe. They, uh, they, they gave away those 40 million that the Champions League usually brings you. But uh, there's also some, some doubts as to what he's done with this team. Some questionable choices, guys starting that have never played. Uh, and he's been a little bit, uh, he's been a little touchy-feely in the press conferences also. Well, This Football Club de Porto is something that I'm not accustomed to seeing, not at least since I can remember football. They lost some key players, and they go out and reinforce themselves with 31-year-old goalkeeper, 28-year-old Zé Luis, 28-year-old uh, Uribe, 26-year-old Saraiva. Uh, it, it, I'm just not accustomed to them. Nakajima's 24, but he hasn't played yet. I'm just not accustomed to them going out and strengthening themselves with old players. Porto is more of a team that, you know, develops. We've seen, like, what Benfica has done. They, Porto's done a tremendous, whether you like them or not, you know, everybody knows I can't stand them. They, they've done a tremendous job developing players, bringing in players, developing them, winning, and then selling them off for, 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 for high prices. I don't think they're going to do that with any of these guys that they have now. And a lot of that shows you the type of pressure that I think that they're under, that they don't have the time to go buy the 20-year-old that they're accustomed to buying and giving them time to develop because they can't afford to fall behind Benfica much further. So I think they try to go for a much more finished product, maybe not the higher caliber, you know, a player that's going to reach that ceiling that these other youngsters are going to get, but they'd be ready to play today. And from what we've seen, I mean, terrible results. I mean, take away the 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 game against um, the game against Vitor Estubal missing out again the, the on the Champions League right, is huge been terrible results exactly so look as a Benfica I'm ecstatic for it so I hope that they come in with this with all or all sorts of pressure to start to lose on Saturday which I do think that all the pressure in this game is going to be on the football club the Porto side because they can't fall behind six points early in the season as they will if they lose that game so I think Benfica is playing with house money I think you know obviously. Benfica under Brunelage and a Benfica that you and I always talk about. Benfica should always come out to win every single game regardless of who they play, right? And I think Benfica will come out with that attitude and that mindset, and I'm, and, and I'm 100% convinced that Brunelage will come out with that mindset. And I think Benfica will handle this game. I mean, even if Benfica – I don't even want to say Benfica's. I think they're going to win this game. I think Benfica's – You feel gonna, confident. 
Absolutely. I think what, Benfica what's, uh, what's, think the, what's the pow? What, what's your, your pow? Zero. I think Benfica. No, what's your pow? Your pow. You got full pow? Full pow. I think Benfica come Christmas time, Benfica has the title wrapped up. Come Christmas time? If not early. But Sporting is usually the come Christmas on. champion. Come on, bro. Seriously. <laughs> But anyway, I I thought that uh, this season they gotta have to they gotta have to dig deep because not only did they mess out on the forty million of the Champions League, but they also lost uh, Herrera, Brahimi for free. Uh, for Philippe for free. That, that's no, huge. Philippe wasn't free. Philippe was not. Torres left. But they, as well. they they were they missed out on that money, man. That and that's a lot of money that they could have used to buy players. So oh, that's why they went out and bought twenty-eight year olds for eight million, and, and you know because they can't afford those types of guys, and they can't afford to to to, to go buy a twenty-year-old, hope that he develops, and then miss out second place again next year. I think I think we, if if you saw the if you didn't enjoy and you saw the shenanigans last year with the Vards that are gone, this year is going to be triple that. Yeah, um, Dave, what are your feelings on this game, dude? Uh, it's probably the most confident we've uh, ever been going into a, a classical against a football club, uh, the Porto. Um, I know every coach has a, a shelf life, and I think even with Consisão, uh, his style, uh, the way he attacks and, and he goes after his uh, players and tries to get that little extra out of his players, I think that that even has a, a shorter shelf life compared to other coaches. So. Um, he might be on the hot seat right now. It could work. It, it, we did see that it did work a couple of years ago with a, a, a team that was more ready to become champions. And he was just that little finishing uh, piece for them to become champions. But with a, a team that's in a, a rebuild, I don't know if that's the type of coach that you want uh, to be in charge of the, uh, the squad. Um, especially with some turbulence already uh, with the two losses to open up the season. Um, I hope we put a 5 nothing uh, spanking on them. They want to talk about 5LB. Uh, let's put a 5 nothing uh, win at the Estadio de Lucia this Saturday here. Well, I'll go out and say this. If Benfica, not if, when Benfica beats Porto at the Estadio de Lucia this weekend, Sergio Sesson will be on the very, very hot seat. Let me let me ask you this, Cristiano. Uh, you've already mentioned that Porto comes into this game with uh, with lots of pressure, right? Uh, having to win the game. Having to. How do you see this approach of them having to win the game? So typically, instead of lose in normal conditions, they're probably playing a style that's a little bit more conservative where they don't want to ex expose themselves. How do you see that? Uh, Porto coming inside to lose a team that needs to win this game. How do you think that's going to play into Benfica's style? Well, we've seen Benfica. They love to pressure high, as we talked about earlier. They're going to have to open themselves up more. They're going to have to come forward a lot more, which is going to give Benfica the opportunity to press, and it's going to be the opportunity when they get the ball to counter. And we've seen if Seferovic, as we talked about, if he's able to put the ball in the back of the net, Raul Tomas might have a field day. I think it fits right, it falls right into Benfica's plans. I think Benfica is a totally different team when they play on the counter because Benfica has the ability to have the playmakers to, to, to make plays and to finalize and to create beautiful football. So if they open themselves up and they come forward, which they will have to, I think Benfica is going to love it. What's your over under on fouls on uh we're playing over under by the way. This is the, the episode for over under on fouls on Rojafa. What's your over under? 
because there, hey. were, there was a there was a graphic hey. on uh, on either record or a ball that showed how many times he was fouled by Belenense players this and past how many weekend. Times was he uh, I think it was seven, six or seven, if so I'm if not mistaken. Six or, I say eight. Eight times. Eight times over, but I over. I say eight. over eight or over seven. Over seven. Well, eight. I think eight. Eight. Eight is the the, the line. Dave, the hottest player right now for Benfica, the guy that's making it all happen, the playmaker, the difference maker. How many fouls do you think over or under? Uh, Rafa will uh, will suffer at the hands well, you of. You got to come uh, out with a number. You can't get. You, well, Dave, let's seven, say over seven under. over or under. Over, over, over. It's going to be uh, an aggressive game from uh, Porto's side of things. They want to stop the ball and uh, stop that free flowing uh, game that Benfica is used to playing. So. High amount of fouls this uh, Saturday here. What's uh, how many uh, yellow cards? <laughs> you think Pep will finish the game? Christian? Put put money on uh, a red card to be dished out. I'll tell you that much. He'll be yeah. a rich man. To the Benfica players, for yeah. fouls too much. For fouls It'll too still much. pay. Yeah. yeah, John. Over under, what, what, what do you think, Seven. man? You think that uh, what are some of the things that Porto needs to do in order to stop this Benfica? Well, Benfica hasn't given up a goal all season, so I think Porto's going to try to go in and score early, kind of set the tone and put Benfica on the offensive to get back into it. Um, but, um, you know, I think my biggest thing right now is, like I said, you guys got two hot players with PZ and Rafa. And in order for you to win, you really need Severovic or Raul de Tomas to really come out and and be there, what they've been expected to be, especially Raul de Tomas. Um but, you know, Porto, I, I think, um, like I said, even though they come in and I'm sure Conceição in the locker room is going to say everything about the, the, everybody's against us, everybody in the stadium wants us to lose, they hate you, they hate your mother, we got to come in here and we got to win and we got to score right away. And I think that's what's going to happen. I'm, I'm not predicting a 2-2 game because I really believe at the end of the day Porto will score. 2-2 game. I'm predicting 2-2. Benfica hasn't allowed a game a goal all season, but you're right. you're, you're saying that they will allow two goals. Well, if, if we were sitting here talking about Setubo or Tendela, I would say Benfica is going to win 3 or 4 nothing, but you know, we are playing what I think is the, still the second best team in the league. But I think Porto I think it's going to be a good game, but best like said, the second best team in the league, Benfica Porto. Well, right now it's Porto. Right now it's Porto. I just want to clear that up. But just quick. remember, if you draw and Sporting wins, for for all the problems that Sporting's having right now, Sporting's going to be tied with you guys. I'm not worried about Sporting. <laughs> sporting at Zondumige. Zondumige. Yeah, I, I think it's. I say I think it's going to be a great game. It's an early season game. I remember a few years ago they had a rule that you couldn't do any of these big games in like the first three weeks. Of yeah, the they season. did change that. But uh, it's nice that they have this game. I guess before the first international break. But I would have liked to have seen this game maybe in week 10, week 11, when things really start to take shape. But it's going to be a great game, and I hope a lot of people uh, watch it. I think it's a BTV game. Last year, Benfica played Sporting at the same weekend. They Juan did 1-1. Felix, one, one. Juan Felix yeah. scored his first goal for Benfica. Yeah, Nani scored. And now, yeah. penalty. And now, this year, they play Porto. I was at that game last year. Not this game. It didn't happen yet. I was at that That's game. great, man. That I was That's at the game. Or that they yeah. scored. Oh, I'm, I'm happy for you. Good, thanks, man. I knew you would be. That's why I mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, plus you went to a Benfica game and they tied. So what does that say about you? That's, they, hey, they didn't lose. Uh, okay, Could've they didn't worse. win. They didn't lose. And they won the Campeonato, so it was all worth it. Yeah, so uh, so anyway, um, I think it's going to be a very interesting game. I I, I am confident that uh, Benfica could pull out the result, especially because of the way they've played and because of how the team 
how the team is showing themselves. Yes, they're not they they haven't hit full stride, but there's a lot of uh, organization there in in the positioning. I just think that some things need to click. Uh, forwards need to start scoring goals, but I think that Benfica right now is is definitely at, at a better place than Porto. But as we know, form doesn't always matter as we head into the Clásicos, as we head into the derbies. But it'll be an interesting game, uh, and it'll be a chance for Benfica to expose Porto uh, on whether or not they're a weak team um, this year or not. Because I think that if Porto wins this, they will galvanize themselves, and I think they will pick up a little bit of momentum uh, going into the international break, which happens in the middle of of September. Um, middle of September, I think yeah, it's like second week of September. first week of September, right? No, they still have Braga right after this, and then they have international break. They, they, what's, they what's, got Braga on the first, and then they oh, got uh, yeah, they got the uh, okay. The sixth is middle of September. That's what I'm. That's not middle of September. To me, that's the early. You know what I mean? I wrong wrong weekend. The second Google week of uh, of September, uh, I guess. Second weekend. Yeah, pa. For this. Second weekend. <laughs> second weekend. It, <laughs> threw me, it threw me off. It threw okay. Because to me, six is the beginning. It's not the middle. You're right. Middle the, is like the fourteenth is when Bifiga gets back into the into that's the league the again. That's the middle. I guess you could say the fourteenth could te- be technically the middle, <laughs> the of, middle a, I mean, of a twenty eight day month. Yeah, exactly. It's the middle. <laughs> All right, let's say 15 then for no, the next day. But uh, I think it's it's it will be important for Benfica to get this result as 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 well as for Porto. I think that uh, it's going to be interesting because I think that this is usually not your typical scenario uh, in terms as I mentioned Porto having to come to start the illusion having we to win. It. We saw it. We saw it three years ago. If I'm not mistaken, oh, three, game, I think we were there, the game, right? The Three years ago against Porto at Stade Luz, we were there, and uh, that was uh, the new. Uh, was it Jonas was it? scored? Jonas scored a peak. No, four years ago we were there because Sergio Spirit Santo was still the coach, uh, and no, I think no. that no, no, Sergio Spirit Santo. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, that was two. That was three years ago. No, no, four years ago. That was three years ago. Three. Okay, that's the game that that's, we were that's at. That's what I'm talking about. And he, he played and way all... too conservative at Stade Luz. And they ended up win losing the league be- as a result of them playing too conservative. Then it might it was whatever. Listen, it was they've the, looked at it. It was the first year of Iker Casillas at Benfica at, at Porto, where we all anticipated. And I'm sitting and Benfica's gonna win three zero easily, and he had the game of I don't want to say his life because the goalkeeper who's won many 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 important big games in his life, but he had a tremendous game, and I think Benfica tied one one if I'm not mistaken. Benfica. When did we go with it, your brother to Portugal? That was one one. That was the right, goal. but that that's the one one. That was two years. Because that then the the following year was uh, Herrera score. That that we lost the chance. He scored at Stade to lose, and Jonas yeah. scored in a penalty. Yeah, that's when we went. But but the year before that was the game. Dave, you look it up. Ezekiel Casillas' first year at Porto. He had a game that like wow, it goes right up there with one of the best games of his career, where Benfica just created chance after chance after chance, and they couldn't get past him. Yeah, and I think they tied one one if I'm not mistaken. No, but the, the, right what Dave? I want. It was one one, yes. Was yeah, one what one. I wanted uh-huh. to to say was that the, these are definitely different circumstances in which both teams come into this. Well, game. the difference is that right now it's the early stages of the campaign, and you can't fall behind six points because it's going to be hard to climb back in a title race. As and again, it's really early in the season, and it's going to break down 
you know, your your your, your faith is gonna confidence wise is gonna be terrible. Will your fans give up on you after just getting slapped around by Carnaza Sport or whatever the hell they're called? This is a huge game for Porto not to lose their fans. Krasna. Whatever. Krasnada sport. <laughs> he might have said it right in Russian. It's possible. Uh, whatever, You bro. look like a little bit it of Russian. Sound, it sounded right in my mind. But, you know, they, they can't afford to fall behind. So might, falling behind six points for them is devastating. It's catastrophic. When you already gave up one of the head-to-head -head games, right? Because usually we no, think but, we fall behind, but, but then you you get to play and your destiny is still in your hands. But now you kind of gave that up if you lose that game. Yeah, well, that's part of the falling behind by six points is losing to, yeah. to the opposition. Yeah, but you can fall behind by playing Bolognese. You might play in no, by but playing Pasadena. No, I'm talking about this is a huge game between the two of them. You can't afford for uh, among the reasons that one because they may think we'll have the tiebreaker. You saw last year when 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 Benfica won the game at the lose, then they go into the Dragon, and obviously Benfica needed to win the game to overtake them in in, in the Campeonato in the standings. But at the end of the day, a result would have suited them because had things been even at the end of the season, Benfica would have had the tiebreaker. So that's but. Right now, it's it's a little bit different because right now we're talking about points, which is, you know, six point deficit for them with the disastrous start to the season, losing it to Granada, then losing to Granada. Granada. The name Granada. changes Granada. every time. Granada. He's talking about the island. No, Granada. Granada. Krasnodar. Krasnodar. Yeah, okay, whatever. but Krasnodar. Krasnodar. But I can't even follow that no more. Man. I give up. Anyway, Dave, some thoughts on the game and, and, and a prediction from you. Uh, I said 5 nothing. Let's go. We're going to win. Big game here. But uh, it's still going to be early in the season, boys. We Six points, but it's still lots of season to go. So let's not get too ahead of ourselves here. Absolutely. Cristiano? I said 2-0. You said 2-0. I'm going to go with a 3-1. Pro. <laughs> I'm joking, man. You too. I said 2-2. You too, Bruno. Why you take the headphones to talk? So five nothing for you and five nothing for Dave. And you say two one. Zero. Two zero. Three one. Two two. Vamos ver. Vamos ver. Um, and... <laughs> so anyway, we'll uh, we'll see. Don't forget to uh, tune in uh, Benfica TV at 7 p.m. local. Uh, that is uh, two o'clock if you're on the Eastern, Eastern Standard uh, time zone here in the United States and also in Toronto, uh, if you're in the West Coast, that's uh, minus three. Very good. Alfred. What time is minus three from two o'clock? You know, 11. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just good luck. Three. <laughs> anyway, um, just, just one one last thing that I wanted to, to mention before we, uh, we depart and we talk a little bit uh, more to John. Uh, Servis, Vilar, Fesa, Zivkovic, all issues that need to be resolved in one way, shape, or another before the month is out. They're all they're all in the red light district right now. What are your thoughts, man? I, I know you haven't been a, a huge fan of Servis for, for quite some time. Forever. Um, so you're you're good with that. Um, Svilar. We always thought that the best thing for Svilar right now is not to hinder his. He his needs to growth. get out. I, I, he needs to get out of Portugal because after his performance, he played for the B team. They was, allowed four and, goals. And he was atrocious, so he needs to get out of Portugal because just giving him a new scenery, right? It, it you know hasn't helped him out. So he needs to get out where he doesn't have that huge pressure 
of of no, it was four zero. He lost the game four. He played was I think four one three zero four zero. I think he lost four zero. I thought it was uh, four uh, four one against Villa Franquista, well, who scored, just got promoted to they second. Might be, they might have scored one late then, but it was I know it was four zero at some point. Acompanhaste? Claro, me. Eu com as modalidades todas do Benfica, but tá bom. Four nothing. Four four nothing. Oh, David, there you go. David, when I talk, am I ever wrong? You, you just no, said, you're only you're only beta. I said four. He said three. I said three. three. I thought it was three. Anyway, um, uh, Svilar needs to go. Yeah, next guy. Faisa. Faisa is sad to see him go because he gave us so much. When this guy was healthy, he was a huge part of that of those couple Ruby Dori uh, winning teams. He's a tremendous player, but his time has passed. He needs to go find greener pastures. It just he doesn't make any sense right now because yeah. we have so many other. No, options. I agree with and him. And youngsters as I'm, well. I'm just thinking that uh, a guy like Faisa, uh, and nobody's taking away the quality and what he brings on the field. But the fact that he's been so injury prone, he's had so many issues with injuries. A lot of teams at this age are kind They're of passive. They're scared to touch. They're scared to touch him. And he just doesn't fit into this uh, Brun Lodge team. He doesn't fit into his system. He just doesn't. He's not the he's not the caliber of player that that Lodge wants. He wants a guy that could get a little bit more involved. It's you know, uh, and and you know some of the criticism I have for Florentino, but Florentino is enough of it. And again, if you got a player who's nineteen, turn nineteen today, right? If I'm not mistaken, Florentino. Yeah, it was a uh, couple to, couple days ago. Maybe today, yesterday. today. Oh yeah, whatever. Who cares? We say today the people believe it because I was. <laughs> I'm never wrong. I said we say today the people believe I, it. I said four zero. It could be today. Whenever they're listening to it, it could be today. And maybe they listen to this next year. You know, at the time of his birthday. But uh, <laughs> so <laughs> when they have when they have a a younger option, you know, they're gonna play the youngsters. So uh, again, m many thanks for what you've done. But so, we're you know we're Befica, You yeah. know, we need to turn the page. We can't have you around just because you were great for us a couple of years ago. It's just yeah, there's there's no sentimental value. You can't there. you can't have sentimental value when it comes to this if you want to be at the top and be the very best at, at what you do. Yeah, and then the other guy was Zivkovic, which that is... guy is a little surprised, a little sad to see him go. But again, as big of a fan of his as I've been over the years, it's a head scratch. It, it's it's not a head scratcher. I think at some point you have to look at things the way they really are and it's like the guy's been through three different coaches and he just hasn't been able to stick so maybe it's a he thing yeah so, you know that, it's time yeah. to, uh, it sucks it sucks because he has the ability and it's a shame and the quality to be a fantastic player and it's you know and i expect it. he's going to leave and he's going to be a good player for somebody he's going to be a really yeah. good player for somebody it's so. a shame because uh, at one point he was touted as one of the upcoming and emergent young Serbian players that was going to be their future. And really his future has kind of smoked out. Uh, he's had some opportunities. He plays well. But uh, as Cristiano mentioned, this is a heat thing, really, I think, because as you mentioned, three coaches can't all have the same, I mean, can't all be wrong about the guy unless there's something wrong with him. What are your take on Zivkovic, man? You've, you've seen him. He's been around. What do you think, Joel? No, I think you just brought up a good point. He's already been seen by enough managers. They see him train every day. And I think all these players that you've discussed, um, you know, usually a lot of players get loaned out to the championship teams in England, sometimes uh, some smaller teams in Spain. But Feja, I think, has got a market in Turkey, mm -hmm. but they haven't managed to come to an agreement yet, I think. I think he has, but Benfica hasn't come. I think Benfica wants $3 million for Feja. So he doesn't have a market then. 
Well, it seems <laughs> like. Well, let me just say, it seems like if if you guys know your footballing history, Turkey wants everybody in Portugal. It seems seems like <laughs> no more team country that's mentioned more with wanting players in Portugal than Turkey, even more than England. So. Yeah, well, it would be curious to see what's going to happen uh, with these guys, but uh, they've obviously got to move them because uh, I don't think they're going to help your B team either. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll we'll see, Dave. Well, any uh, any uh, thoughts on on losing some of these guys? Sentimental value. What do you what are your thoughts on on these guys that apparently are on the the window? Yeah, these guys, um, like we've mentioned, Dave. They've done their time, won championships with us, but uh, there's currently no spots uh, on the on the roster for these guys. So um, I'm surprised with Zivkovic that he's still here because he has that clause in his contract that his contract or his wages double after every um, every passing season. So really surprised that he's still even here with the club um, with that clause in his contract. Yeah. No. Um. Absolutely. Uh, so um, I think that's uh, that's all we got. To will, uh, I just wanted to ask you, uh, John, wh- what is what does the future hold for Portuguese? Uh, I know that uh, you just current, recently started doing a podcast. Yep. What is the future for PortugueseSoccer.com? Uh, just keep doing it, just like you. You know, uh, hopefully with our podcast, I put up as many years as you've had, and just continue to report the news and continue to get more followers and. And I'm very excited about this podcast. I think of all the things I do, this this is by far because now I can talk about my opinions. I can be out open about it. The uh, the Twitter, the Facebook, the website, and all the other stuff is. Uh, You're still being unbiased on the podcast, right? Well, I will be, but in certain situations, if I feel whether it's a situation that I think it's right for Benfica or right for Porto, I'm going to say it. But I think anybody who listens to it over the course of time will see that. You know, I'm pretty much speaking my mind. And, you know, I've been on the Benfica podcast now, so I'm sure everybody that's Puerto Sporting thinks I'm a Benfica fan. So I've sort of ruined already. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, no, I, I love what I do, just like you guys love what you do and just like the people that are listening love what they do with following the league and and just keep on uh, plugging along, keep just doing what I do because um, it's a fun ho- it's a fun hobby to do because that's really what it is. It's a hobby. Yeah. Where where can people find you on uh, out there, social media? Yeah, I mean, I've a uh, website, of course, PortugueseSoccer.com. If you don't know how to spell Portuguese, PSoccer.com. Portuguese. So uh, you'd be surprised how many people. Um, and then obviously Twitter, uh, PSoccerCOM. Same thing for the Facebook. And I've been doing an Instagram thing, uh, which has really taken off. That's where I get a lot of comments about a lot of different things. And I just started a fantasy thing. And that's at Portuguese underscore soccer underscore noticia. So I'll look to have you on in the future if I could figure out It'll some of my pleasure, problems man. with the podcast. And uh, like I said, it's uh, I'm having a lot of fun and um, I want to continue to have a lot of and where fun. People, where can people find the podcast? Uh, they'll find it on the website. Uh, it's obviously going to also be tweeted out. Usually I have it... Um, you know, kind of pinned at the top of the uh, page. Okay. Um, and if you go to the website, it's it's one of the things at the top. So much. And also available on Anchor FM. If, yeah. If... Last time I checked Anchor, iTunes, Google, I just put it up on SoundCloud. Spotify. Spotify. So it's, um, it's it, there's a few other podcasts at Anchor FM. I don't know. Is it a weekly thing? Uh, my plan right now is to do a weekly. Um, I like it to be, you know, I'm going to have guests on, but a lot of times uh, I like to talk about what I think. And I've gotten a lot of positive remarks. Uh, I think people, when they come on the show, uh, see things from a different perspective. I, I really do try to be down the middle. Um, I know in Portugal, 
everybody has a you know a certain bias. Um, but I, I I would say that the biggest compliment that I've had is I think people enjoy that. I think when they come on, not everybody, but you know I think there's a fair majority that are going to hear something down the middle. And you know if I watch the when I watch the classic of this weekend. If I think something's a PK, I'm going to say if it's a PK or not, without regard to whatever criticism I'm going to get. So that's what I'm looking forward to doing in the podcast. And um, every once in a while, I'm going to have a guest. But I like to do like a Bill Simmons format. Most of the time, do all the talking, invite some guests. And uh, it's not going to be necessarily talking about week-to-week Liga stuff. It's going to be about topics. You know, what's going on in Portugal with these 2130 times? You know, what's, 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 you know, I don't know if you know, a lot of games now are at 930. Can yeah. you imagine the Red Bulls playing a game at 930 well, at night? The, the, I think on Sundays they're tough. During the weekend, that could just be uh, the, this, how you start your night. And then you continue, go to the club. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's not for everyone. <laughs> yeah, but uh, thank you for having me on. I've been listening no. to you guys for a few years. Nah, you only listen a couple of times. Come on, you can be No, honest. I have. I've, I, I listened. I've been listening. I think... I think the first podcast I listened to was Chris. You might remember this. Uh, you guys were playing Gil Vicente, and people from Gil Vicente were complaining about the ticket prices. And Chris comes out and says, look, if you can't afford the yeah. tickets, then do me a favor, eat. Don't remember that? that? That was a classic line. I remember that. That was like the early days when I started to you know, listen to. But I do listen to a lot of podcasts. Obviously, not always the time. I'm, a, I'm an Arsenal fan. I love watching AFTV. So, but I do follow as much as I can uh, Portugal, and I try to see as many opinions as possible. Um, you'd be surprised sometimes how much you learn listening to somebody else talk about Portugal. Yeah. No, excellent. Uh, thank you for 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 accepting our our invitation. Um, as as John mentioned, make sure you follow him on, on all the social media: Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and also his website. You can find Cristiano on uh, on Twitter at ten co ten. Dave at do 87 do at Mifika podcast is where you can find us we're also on on facebook and instagram don't uh don't forget to uh check that out we'll be some some pictures that we'll we'll post uh promise that we're going to be a little bit more active on that uh instagram thing uh so anyway my name is alfredo i've been here with cristiano Oliveira and david de Oliveira, and our guest joan Neves and bruno's been uh, in the background working things i don't know what but anyway next week we'll be back we'll recap the porto game and we'll look ahead to benfica's next game which is going to be at the pedreira against braga thanks everyone enjoy your week and enjoy yourselves and be good to each other later